Good morning, everyone. This is Austin Jardine. Welcome to the Vanguard Project. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. For those of you tuning in for the first time, this show focuses on sharing stories of people out there living their passions. We spend time listening to their stories, understanding their motivations, struggles, and mindsets that have helped them to get to where they're at today. The hope through these stories is to relate to you in a way that gets you excited to get after something you love. With me today is my buddy, the stacked, jacked, tactical YouTubing ninja, Mr. Alex, aka the Iron Infidel. Alex, dude, I feel like you're, uh, honestly, I feel like you're going to shed a lot of wisdom or impart a lot of wisdom on me today, man. So how are you? I'm doing well, man. The, the pleasure is mine to be on here. So thank you for having me. Hopefully, hopefully I can produce some entertaining content for you and your viewers uh, with the little that I have to say. So, oh, I don't doubt it. I, uh, I know I texted you earlier this weekend that I was doing some research before this and I was like, this one's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be a good time. You know, I, I know we met last summer and interacted a little bit out at some networking event. So I'm really excited to connect because you know, when I started this podcast, I was like, I've met people like Alex and I just haven't really had the chance or haven't taken the step to, to get to know. So, so I'm excited, but, um, you know, if you don't mind really kind of what this podcast is, right, like I said, is just getting to know you and your story and, and understanding how you got to where you're at. So that if people are out there in similar boats, that they're like, man, I look at Alex and he's made it through it and I want to get after it too. So if you don't mind just starting with who you are in the introduction and I'll interrupt you along the way. Yeah, my name's uh, Alex Alderman. Grew up, born and raised in California, uh, unfortunately. Ooh. And yeah, not as lucky as some guys like you, but um, spent a, my entire adulthood in law enforcement. I started when I was 20, uh, turned 21 on graduation day, and I'm 33 now, so 13 years. Uh, been with three different departments, uh, gone through a few academies the last four years. Uh, in my law enforcement career, I spent on a SWAT team and ultimately worked my way up to the scout position, which is also the point man position on the SWAT team, and really just developed a passion for firearms tactics and the fitness element that kind of goes along with that. And from there, we'll, we'll lead into social media, but I started a social media profile on Instagram mainly and just for no real particular reason, but uh, that led me into taking up the social media and the marketing for Iron Infidel, which is what I do now, uh, which is a fitness brand. We sell exclusively fitness products pretty much, but we brand it a whole, a whole lot different than just fitness, uh, which is the way I like to do it. I don't like to just stay in one niche. And uh, that's where I'm at today. I ended up going from full-time 13 years in law enforcement in July I went reserve with the department so that I could pursue this brand and this career full-time. Dang. Okay. There's a lot there. So what, what led you into law enforcement from the beginning? You know, I was one of those kids that kind of never grew up. You know, when you're, when you're a kid, you want to be in the military, you want to be a policeman, you want to be an astronaut or whatever it is that your aspiration is. That kind of just stuck with me forever. I never grew out of it. I always wanted to do something that I thought was fun and enticing. Uh, and the thought of kind of sitting behind a desk and, and doing something boring for the rest of my life was, that was scary to me, to be honest. So initially I was, you know, in my early teens, I wanted to join the military and I had an older brother who got into, he's about six years older than me, got into, got into law enforcement. So as I was reaching the tail end of my high school career, I kind of got pulled away from going the military route 
and kind of taking after his footsteps and, and going into law enforcement. And from there, that's just the way it is. That's I went from there and here I am today. Yeah. So when you decided to take that, that step into law enforcement, right? I know that some people are a little leery of law enforcement, right? Danger, bad news, mm-hmm. PTSD of some sort, right? Was there anything that deterred you from, from going down that route? No, not really. I mean, I got in so young. I was 20. And when you're 20, you're kind of just reckless. You're reckless. You're dumb. I did so many, man, the first like five years of my career, I look back on it and I'm lucky a I'm alive and I'm lucky I'm not in jail. Uh, (laughs) But, but uh, just, just that excitement of it. So I never really had that fear of danger or anything like that until you get it, get a little bit older and you have, you know, your kids, that's really when the tides kind of turned for me where it's like, I need to start thinking about the longevity of a career as well as my safety, because it's not just about me anymore. It's about family and, you know, taking a safer approach to everything I did. But initially that really wasn't, didn't cross my mind, to be honest. I was excited about it. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's an interesting point. When you were in the reckless phase, how did you, how did you manage your reckless phase? I guess. So going through it, right. You're like, Oh man, bad guys, I can run in guns a blazing. You know, was there like a train of thought where you're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that or protocol says. So yes and no, every department operates differently, right? You know, obviously you're, you're operating under the umbrella of state law and federal law, but as far as policies and just kind of general practices of departments, they're all slightly different. Some are better than others. The first one I was with, we didn't have the best tactics, right? We were kind of, it was kind of like the wild west. So the idea of getting into a pursuit and jumping out of the car, chasing somebody, jumping into backyards where you, you don't even know where you're at. You're not putting it out on the radio. Nobody really knows where you're at until you've taken this guy down and then and handcuffed him and get on the radio and try and figure out where you're at. That <laughs> that happened, you know? And I look at that now and I just completely cringe at that, how, how unsafe and, you know, just poor tactics that is. Uh, but that's kind of the way it was in the culture of not only that department, but, but just, you know, how we did things. But, did you have Definitely a hard time not. getting older and kind of letting go of that? Because to me, that sounds obviously that sounds like fun. I've kind of feel like I've not grown up in some regard to that. That that still sounds fun. You know, did you did you have a hard time kind of like shifting? Like, was it was it really the kids that were like, OK, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore? Or was there something in life where you were like, yeah, OK, this is actually really dumb. I shouldn't I shouldn't jump over fences anymore. Uh, you know, it's as you're as you progress through your career, you become a better officer and you learn more and your, your tactics get better. And you see, you know, the potential hazards of doing things like that, that maybe when you're 21, you just didn't recognize or you're new and you're just excited. Um, So it's kind of just the progression of a law enforcement career. You get smarter and better as you go. And then also being introduced to the different tactics of different departments that are, like I said, some are better than others. Um, And that just wouldn't fly in in a department that I spent the back half of my career with, thankfully. But it's just the progression of law enforcement. So that in conjunction with the fact that, yeah, I want to be smarter so that I make sure I go home at the end of the day for my family uh, together is kind of what changed my, my mindset, my perspective on it. Yeah. So let's talk about then how, how do you, how did you choose the department you wanted to go to, into? Is that where you, Hey, I was born and raised in this area. I want to work in this area. Or you're like, okay, I'm 20. I have a chance to get the hell out of Dodge. Let's go after somewhere else. Both. So the first one was I'm 20. Let's get, you know, I want to, I want to do something fun. I don't care. I don't have a family. I'll, I'll go wherever I need to go. And the more action, the better. And then as you get older and you've been with a few departments, you start to really analyze the department. You want to know what you, you learn kind of what law enforcement's like. And there's some departments have poor, poor 
a poor culture that you don't want to be a part of or a very negative mentality that some of the officers have just based on management and things like that. So you really want to analyze that thing as well as funding, uh, you know, what gear they have, how are their vehicles and the support of the city or the county that they work in. Those are those, those are things you want to analyze where at first, when you're new, you don't really realize that you just want to get hired. Uh, but as you progress through, you kind of have more options at your disposal. Like I could apply here and they have this, maybe they don't pay as much, but their gear's better and the city supports them better. So. Okay. Is there like a, a resource that you were able to draw on or did you have to kind of experience that on your own and figure out, okay, great. Having been here for six months, I understand that the, uh, the department runs this way, but kind of, I can call my buddy over in this other department and get kind of the ins or the scoop on them. Or was there like, how did you figure that out? Kind of both, you know, you, as you progress, you look, you meet people from different departments and you can get a good, good understanding of the surrounding area, surrounding departments, just from the people you meet, as well as some of your friends who have met people from different departments. So kind of that third hand knowledge, but then there's also, you can go and take ride alongs and, you know, generally speaking, when you're an applicant trying to pick a department, if you take a ride along with a cop who's being honest with you, they're going to be straightforward with you. What, what, um, what is the department like? How does it treat their officers? How are the management? They're not going to just blow smoke. So you can really get a good gauge by doing that as well. Okay. So would you say then for somebody that is 20 or 18, you know, soon to graduate, would you say that a ride along would be maybe the most beneficial way to determine a, whether or not law enforcement is something you're interested in, but also selecting a department? A hundred percent. Definitely. You, I would say never join a department unless you've been on a ride along and, and preferably a few ride alongs with them. Uh, not only can you get, you know, talk to those officers and really get a understanding of what the department's like, but you can also see the, the workload, you know, how do they operate on a day-to-day -day basis? Are they going to 50 calls a day in a 10 hour, 10 hour shift? Are they doing five? You know, the, your day looks completely different depending on where you're working. So you need to understand what you're looking for in a department, how much you know, action, fast pace do you want, and then kind of guide your selection based on that. But 100%, you got to go on a ride along. And most departments, maybe not most, but a lot require their applicants to go on a ride along as they progress through the application process. Okay. So before we move on from the ride along portion, would there be, what would be maybe one or two questions you'd be like, you have to ask this in order to determine, you know, a you know, good, bad, positive, horrible culture what are, what are a couple of questions that somebody should ask on a ride along? That's a loaded so, question. I see the thing. It's a loaded question. <laughs> it is. But the most important thing for a department for me is just the culture of the department. And that goes from the top down. You know, what do the officers think of the management and how does management treat the officers? Uh, if those two aren't, you know, I don't know what, what the right word would be, but connecting with one another, if the management doesn't treat the officers right and the officers don't like the management, then you don't want to be there. You just yeah. don't want to be there. Uh, and, you know, that's above pay. That's above funding from the city. That is the number one thing you want to, to consider when you're looking at a department. So the first thing I'm going to ask somebody I'm riding along with, as long as I'm not trying, you know, stepping on their toes of the officer I'm riding with would be, you know, hey, give me your honest opinion of this department. How, how are you guys treated? How does the city treat you? How does management treat you? And what's the, I'm trying to look for the word morale. Morale, morale okay. of the department. Fair. Morale is huge. If, if morale's low, then you know things are probably being handled poorly. If morale is high, then that's a department you probably want to consider. Okay, good stuff. Thank you. So now maybe moving away from starting in law enforcement into moving into the SWAT. And you said, did you say scout portion or scout position? 
So I, well, that's what I worked my way into with the scout position. So okay. I started, you know, I joined SWAT pretty early when I got to that third. Department. And when you say join, I, I don't feel like it's as easy as that. Right. I feel like, I feel like SWAT <laughs> itself is not, it's not as easy as people make it sound to be. Right. I mean, it's pretty intense. No, it, it, it can be. And again, this is contingent upon what department you work for. There's no national standard for SWAT, you know, say for example, the military, you know, everybody who's a SEAL is going to go through butts, right? It's, it's, it's all the same. Well, SWAT teams are different. They're, they're municipalities. You have your cities, you have your, you know, county level and you have your state. So there's no standard, but the one I went to was considered, I believe one of the hardest in the nation, hardest in, in California. So the process is you have to first try out for the SWAT team. And our tryouts are very, very difficult because for the reason that they are sending us to the hard SWAT Academy, it's like, you can't have an easy tryout, but then a hard Academy, they don't, right, right. they won't work together. You'll have a bunch of failures. So the trial was difficult. Um, I think when I tried out on our team, we had, I think six guys that tried out with me. I was the only one that passed on that, that portion. There was tryouts, you know, maybe a few months later where more people passed and, and there's been a lot since then. But, but on the day that I tried out, I was the only one that passed the physical portion. And, and I mean, barely there's a obstacle course. It starts with a pre fatigue, a 400 yard dash, um, and then max pull-ups, max push-ups, max sit-ups. So I think to max out, you had to hit 15 pull-ups. I want to say like 60 push-ups, 60 sit-ups, and then you're immediately into the O course obstacle course. And that obstacle course, man, that, that thing haunts me. It doesn't look, when you look at it, it, it doesn't look hard. I looked at it and thought to myself, this, this is going to be a cakewalk. And uh, <laughs> then you get on it. And apparently, I don't know, maybe this is like um, an old wives tale or something, but heard from multiple people that that course was designed by some type of medical professional who knows exactly how to des design a course to make you just completely gassed out. I believe it because I was completely exhausted. Um, <laughs> we had, we had four, you have four minutes to do it. And by about halfway through, I, I was toast. I was feeling it. Um, just, a, you know, countless walls you have to jump, uh, ladders, low crawls, and then the, the dummy drag, which is what killed me. I was doing pretty good until the dummy drag. And then you had to drag it for however many yards it was. And by the time I put it down, my quads were, were done. And, uh, I remember the team leaders were, were pretty stoked watching me go They're like, yes, this guy's going to pass. He's doing good. Then I put down the dummy and I was like a zombie trying to get through the rest. And you could, just, <laughs> you could see kind of the defeat in their face when they're looking at the defeat in your face. But anyways, kept going, pushed through it. And there's a finish line where you have to like touch the, touch the sign or whatever. And I, I, it's not even a lie or an exaggeration. I had to dive to touch that sign and I got it <laughs> just in the nick of time dude. three fifty nine on a four minute time limit. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. all right. So I feel like for some people that probably sounds like a big deterrent, right? Like SWAT mm -hmm. is not for me. Cause that sounds like a pain. What was it that made you want to do SWAT right. And try out because mm -hmm. that, that obviously, like I said, sounds like a pain in the butt. And then also <clears throat> what, what kept you going through all that, right? Legs are gassed, zombie. You've got literally three yeah. seconds to go. Yeah. The desire, again, it goes back to that. I think there's some guys who just, you want to do fun things when you're young. And even when you're an adult, you still want to do fun things. You know, it just never <laughs> That was away. a fun thing. <laughs> so it was like, 
I want to be a part of this SWAT team. I've always wanted to be on some type of tactical team. So there's no way in hell uh, I'm going to just stop and quit, you know, and I'll do whatever it takes to, to prepare for it and then be successful going through it. And um, it was just a grind after that to get through it. But that's really the driving factor is just wanting to do something that's out of the ordinary, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. which led, lead, led into the academy, which is an experience in and of itself. Yeah. So let's talk about the academy then. Cause I, you know, I, my wife works in law enforcement, which is entirely different than, you know, where, where you went in this state. <clears throat> and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've heard stories of the academy kind of whatnot, never experienced it. And I can only imagine that an, an academy, is it, a, is it a SWAT academy that you go to? Yeah. So yeah, we, at the time I was with a police department, somewhere around 160 officers, we don't host our own academy. It just wouldn't be, it wouldn't make sense. So we take pay for positions in the sheriff's academy. There's a larger uh, sheriff's department nearby and they host the academy and the academy for them. It's not, there's a couple of types of academies. There's the academies that they try and teach you things, you know, teach you tactics, teach you SWAT related topics. And then there's academies that are like selections where it's just a beat down and it's yeah. like, okay, how many people can we make quit? And then the ones that stay, we'll, we'll mold them later on. Sure. We're going to use this opportunity to, to really see who has the, the mental fortitude to get through it. So that's what this academy was. So it, we were going through their selection, basically. So we just had to survive. So that's what it was. The, I remember I had had, we had to do our trout to get on the team. Then from there, we had to go to their trout. So we had to pass their trout. So basically two tryouts. And on that one, it was two days after my, my oldest daughter was born. And then I passed that one. And then, you know, a few weeks later, we actually went to the academy. That's nuts. So at any point, did you feel like, man, I kind of want to quit? Or, or were you like, no, I'm still a kid. It's still fun. I'm still going to get after it. So <laughs> the entire time you're thinking this sucks. Yeah. I mean, the entire time you're not enjoying it. Uh, did the, the thought of quitting ever really cross my mind? No, because it's just not an option for, for somebody like me and for you. It's like the idea of quitting and going back to your family or your department. I, I couldn't do it. I could not quit and go back to my department. I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd be too embarrassed, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's just kind of a, just get through it, suck it up type of thing. So where was like the most, cause I can, I can only imagine, right. You know, I, I am familiar enough to guess what the tactics portion of it would be. What was probably the most exciting part of that then? I mean, getting beat down sucks, but you're probably yeah. doing some fun stuff though. Yeah. And some fun stuff. So we, the first week it's nothing but a beat down. You're getting gassed every day. You're getting smoked every day, 18 to 20 days. And then the second week you go off to this place, I won't name it, but it's like a, it's like a camp, like a boy scout camp that they, they like rent out or something. It's out in the middle of nowhere, like in the woods, huge tons and tons of acres, hills and lakes and everything. So we did some pretty fun stuff there, like some, some challenges, you know, uh, pitting some of the recruits against some of the others in canoe, canoe race type crap and flipping each other over. We also did some, what do they call those things where you're, you know, jungle walk, you know, we had some jungle walk set up oh, with yeah. rifle, you know, you got your targets down in different areas of the woods and you go and you just kind of put rounds down and everything. So it, it was a fun experience. It's one of those things where when you're there, it's not fun. 
but when you're done, it's one of the best memories to look back on and joke about. Yeah, that's cool. So what would be uh, maybe the most rewarding thing? So let's say, you know, you make it through, you graduate and you get pinned as a SWAT. Uh, what was the most satisfying thing? Is it, hey, I've completed it. Hey, now I've got brothers next to me. What, what to you after you're done was like, hey, I feel fulfilled as a, as a SWAT officer now. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that it was a difficult academy that difficult of an academy was rewarding in and of itself. I wouldn't have had that same level of, you know, satisfaction had I gone to a different one that they didn't put you through hell. Um, you feel like you earned it. And I kind of feel like if you're going to hold that title that you should earn it in a way, you know? So I think the tryouts should be hard. And I think the academy should be hard, not only physically, but mentally. So I think the way they do it at these hard ones is it's perfect. Um, it's something that you should earn and feel pride in and not just be able to say, oh, I, I do this, but I went through some, you know, cheesy, easy academy. But uh, there was that sense of satisfaction, one of the hardest things I'd ever done. And then you learn a lot about the guys that you, we went with four guys uh, on our, from our department and you, get, you do develop a bond with those guys, particularly because you see what they're made of too. One of the guys, you know, he's kind of a jokester. I'm, I'm kind of the opposite, believe it or not. I'm pretty reserved, dude. Um, this guy went with jacked total stud goofball jokester. And, you know, people like that have a hard time reading. Like, is this guy, is this guy tough? Is he going to, you know, yeah. tough it out? That dude, is, sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that dude is tougher than nails, man. We were doing these things where we had to sprint up at the incline of this hill was, it was almost straight up of dirt. We had to like sprint up and down, run up and down, run up and down over and over and over and as punishment. And he, he fell, obviously like people were tumbling down the hill. And he rolled his ankle within the first couple of days and it swelled up so big, like he couldn't even fit in his boot. And he didn't tell anybody, uh, none of the staff, the, because they would have met it, you know, made him met out and come met, back yeah, and met recycle, out him. And yeah. recycle him if, and they only do one a year. And somehow the dude with an ankle swollen to twice the size of what it typically is, Finished the whole academy with that through all the runs, everything. I was blown away. Um, so you learn a lot about the guys that you're you're next to and the guys at your department you go with and kind of develop a bond that way. Yeah, I believe it. All right. So before we move maybe into uh, what it what it means to be, or I guess what life is like, you know, as an officer, um, any advice on people that might want to be going into the SWAT, the SWAT SWAT route or world or anything like that? Yeah, I get a career. <laughs> I often get asked on social media, like, Hey, I want to, I want to join SWAT. You know, what do I do? And the first thing I would say is I kind of liken it to like a football team in the NFL, right? It's week one or preseason worry about the week one team. Don't worry about the Super Bowl and who your opponent's going to be in the Super Bowl. So if you're not a police officer yet, or if you're going through the Academy, it's, it's great that you want to join SWAT. Absolutely. You know, keep that, that goal and that bucket list item you want to do. But the first thing you need to do is, is focus on passing the academy passing FTO and then being a team player on patrol and developing a good reputation. Your reputation is everything. Don't have a good reputation. You're not going to get the opportunity to, to join a SWAT team or any other special team. So you need to be a good cop, a good patrol officer, one that people can count on, rely on, and a good team player. And then those opportunities will just fall in your lap. That would be the first thing is just focus on what you got at hand and be the best you can at what you're doing at that moment. Okay. I will echo that, not necessarily in law enforcement, but absolutely in life. Mm -hmm. I think that's great life advice as well. Okay. Yeah. So now let's say, you know, you're on patrol, 
either maybe not necessarily even as SWAT or because I know just because you're on SWAT does not necessarily mean you're not on patrol either. Correct. Right. Right. Yeah. There's there's full time teams and then there's collateral duty teams, part time teams where, you know, you, you call outs and you get your warrant services and, and your training and things like that. But you still have patrol duties as well. OK, so what does a average day in the life of a SWAT officer look like then for you? So for a collateral SWAT officer, a part-time, you're, you're working a shift or you're working as a detective or whatever your position is. And then you have your trainings each week or biweekly, whatever the department is. And basically it depends on what position you are. But for me, I'll give you my example as a scout. Uh, what I would do would be, I would find out what the next mission is going to be or the next warrant service we're going to be doing. These are for pl- planned warrant services, um, not reactive reactionary missions. And scout it. You have to put everything together. So you find out who the target is, what the location is, every single thing you possibly imaginable you have to know about your target. So every single window, every door, which direction the door swings, what's its construction, every single fence, every single animal. Are there kids in the house? You know, are there old or elderly people in the house? You have to know every about the particular house and then everybody that's possibly there. Uh, and you have to put together kind of a mission plan. What, you know, what's the best way to approach this? What, what ingress and egress routes are we going to be using? What vehicles do we need? Do we need armor up front as well as in the rear or just in the rear? How are our perimeter teams going to get into position? There's just a million things I could go on and on and on about. You're a professional um, stalker, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's the more you put in, <laughs> the more you get out of it. But that's the thing on that position. You have to, when I say you have to know everything, you really do because the team relies on you to be able to relay that information to them. So you may know everything two weeks in advance, but the team doesn't know anything until yeah. the day of. So the team gets into the briefing and you have to brief them on everything. So you've been studying this for two weeks or more. They're hearing about it for the first time and they're going to be the ones along with you to execute it. So you have to be able to answer any question they could possibly have and fill them up to speed within a quick 30 minute you know, presentation. Yeah. Okay. So how did you, that seems like a very specialized position and there's a lot of skill go, going into that. How did you land into that role? Yeah. So you get on, a, we'll start by when you get on, you get on the SWAT team, you're, you're the boot, right? You're doing all the work that nobody wants to do. You're cleaning all the trucks, you're staying late after training, getting there early, getting everything set up and you get the position that most people don't want, which is generally get stuck on like a perimeter position, right? And a non-essential perimeter position. You're, you're kind of just there to make sure nobody bails out of the house and takes off. So I did that for a while, but to earn that position, it is, it is somewhat of a coveted position on the team because there's a lot, a lot to it. To earn that position, it goes back to what I said before, just be the best that you can be at that moment at what you're doing. And show the team your your desire to do well and the desire to learn and put forth that extra effort. And then the, the rest just kind of falls into place. Ultimately, the team leaders approached me and, and asked me if I wanted to take that position. First, I had to be kind of groomed by my initial FTO. So I was working under him for probably a year. And then he took a position as an actual team leader. So then I took up the, the lead scout position and then brought somebody else under me to kind of groom them as well. So Okay. So then were there any special schools you had to go to or skills you needed to develop in order to, I guess, be successful at that? So that's the thing. I've done a ton of research about scouting in particular. Is there any schools, anything that you know you can go to? Because I wanted to go. I wanted to 
learn as much as I could. And I just couldn't find really anything on that. There's preacher school, there's school for pretty much everything, but the scouting position, there's really not much. There's books you can read, read like, um, what's the guy's name? Sid Heal writes a, a book about how to understand the layout of a structure just by looking at its roof line, things like that. You have to be really good at open source internet research because it's amazing what you can find out about a location by open source research. So you kind of got to learn baptism by fire and hope you have a good mentor. I had a good mentor that taught me a lot of things. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun thinking about it. I mean, to me, I'm kind of paralleling it in my mind with hunting, right? The open source stuff, right? Mm -hmm. When I when I plan a plan a route, right? It's like, I'm going to look at Onyx and Google Maps and Google Earth mm -hmm. and plan it out. And yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Man, that's There's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I, it sounds like it. <laughs> it's kind of odd <laughs> that they don't have a school for that because that seems like something, I mean, you almost have to practice it a million times to be comfortable and, and honestly comfortable is probably a stretch right but like successful at it yeah I, you know i could be wrong i could be wrong maybe there is i just couldn't find one but there's other things too like uh there's i'm sure there's surveillance you know schools out there or surveillance classes out there that has a has its place in scouting right you're going to be you take a uc vehicle out and you park down the road blacked out windows taking photos of whatever your target is things like that so there's a elements of a lot of different things in that job Okay. Okay. So if we could, I'll maybe gear it a little, a little family oriented for, for a minute. So you've got, you're married kids. There's other law enforcement or military folks that are listening or first responders, right. That might have be in a similar situation as you, have you learned anything um, that you're like, Hey, this has helped me and in, in my family kind of manage the stress of the job, maybe being away that would be like, Hey, I would really like to share this at all. Yeah. Um, the first thing would pop up is planning. You have to be good at planning. Um, things are going to pop up that are going to interrupt your day. And, but if you're not good at being diligent about planning things with your family, then the time just kind of slips by and the job becomes all consuming, right? So you really have to be good about this weekend. This is what we're doing. And unless something pops up, you know, we're going to this location, whatever the wife's going to want to go to for that day you know, and you can plan a month in advance. You have to be great at organizing your time and planning your day uh, to try and avoid, because I've been in those situations where you just worked your full shift. You, you got to go in for another, right as you get home, you get called out and that's another 10 hours. And then when you're done with that, it was supposed to be your day off and you have a scout you got to go do. So it can get crazy, but you have to have a supportive family, supportive wife who's understanding. And that's something, a discussion you should probably have with them beforehand because it's critically important to, to your mental health when you're actually doing the job um, and then be good at planning your day and planning things with the family. Okay. No, that's great advice. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So now moving on to, I guess this is all fun, but the more fun stuff of what you're doing with iron infidel and the marketing and the fitness, mm -hmm. how did iron infidel come about? So this is, you want the, the longer the readers digest. Either or, either so, or. So I did not found Iron Infidel. My brother did. At the same time, uh, I, was, I was on the SWAT team. I never had any social media. I, I never did. I never had a Facebook, MySpace, Instagram, nothing. My whole life. Uh, but I did watch YouTube a lot. So I watched all the major influencers on YouTube because I was trying to be better with guns, tactics, gear, things like that, because I was on the team and I wanted to just get as much knowledge as I can. 
Um, and one day someone on the team approached me, he's like, you watch all these guys on, on YouTube, you know, they have Instagrams, right? You could watch them there as well. And, and, uh, it's like, I don't know, isn't Instagram just like pictures or something. So they convinced me to make an Instagram, started following them. And I don't really know what in particular reason I decided to start, but I just remember the thought process, like I could do this. This doesn't look that difficult. So I got bored and started an Instagram and started creating the worst content you'd ever see uh, <laughs> at the time. Cause it, it turns out it's actually a lot harder than it looks. Um, a lot harder than it looks. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. So my content was horrible, but I had made this other brand and my brother simultaneously made a fitness brand because he's believe it or not, probably more into fitness than I am. And he was selling products. Um, so we were both kind of going down our own paths and we're both good at opposite things. He's very kind of business savvy. You know, he knows how to, how to work that end of things. And I started learning the ways of, of branding and, and social media and how to actually develop a following. So he approached me and he said, Hey, I want you to, to join on iron, you know, and take over because he doesn't want to do social media and he's not any good at it admittedly. So I thought it over and ultimately uh, it was just the right decision. I've worked with my brother pretty much my whole life. So I did that. And the other account that I had started on Instagram, I'd got up to 20,000. So I had to start back over at zero. And that was kind of, you know, a tough pill to swallow because it is difficult to kind of develop a following, but ended up doing it on that and started sort of running with that profile. And, and uh, for the first six months, Instagram was everything, right? I was Instagram, 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 trying to really develop that. And my YouTube presence wasn't, wasn't putting enough attention towards it. And I still hadn't learned that platform quite as much as I needed to, to be successful at it. Um, however, the last six months, so from January until now, I did a, took a complete opposite. I said, okay, Instagram, it's kind of its own element now. It's not that difficult to run. So let's switch and divert focus towards YouTube and really try and be successful on that. And that's where the last six months of my attention has gone. Okay. And so when you started uh, or got into the branding portion of it, right? So I'm, I have like very little following relatively speaking. How did you, how did you learn to, to, to brand yourself and develop a, you know, if somebody's out there listening and they're like, Hey, law enforcement stuff all sounds great and everything. I'm more interested in how you branded iron infidel and were able to grow that, mm -hmm. you know, did what resources and how did you go about thinking and growing that? Yeah. So the mindset that I take to everything with the profile, and you could probably see it if you follow our content, it's, I try to be different from any other brand out there. Um, I will never be somebody who just does nothing but product plugs. I'm not going to sit there and post a picture of our product over and over and over again, because you can't develop a following that way, especially in a saturated market. I mean, if you really think about it, how many businesses are on, are on social media or on Instagram that are putting pictures of their products? There's a million of them, right? So how do you separate yourself from the pack? Well, in order to do that, you have to take a different approach to it. And I've kind of learned this from some of the other high profile people that I've studied when I've been trying to, to make this successful myself. And it's, you have to bring other things to the table, right? You have to make them want to watch you and the content you're producing. And then as a side connection to that, your, you know, your, your products are involved as well. So I try to just do everything a little bit differently. I um, mean, and I don't want to say I try and take a influencer route, but you have to have some form of personality associated to it. You don't have to, but I've found that that's the, the most successful way. Okay. And when you say study, I mean, did you, 
like literally sit down and say, okay, great. Here's person A, here's the five bullet points to their success. Here's person B and the three that they've got. Yeah. So I, five people, that's a good example. Cause that's usually, that's about the number of people that I really focused on. And I thought to myself, why do I watch these people? What do they bring to the table? And usually there was about one or two things that each one of them did really, really well that I just really appreciated about their profile. So I tried to take elements of each person that I thought was doing very good at certain things and then throw my own spin on it and try and make it, uh, you know, kind of mold my profile that way. So that's kind of what I mean by study. It's, it's what is drawing me to these people because I'm a consumer, right? I'm a consumer of content. That's what I, where I started. I started by just watching all these people and getting sucked into their content. I never watch TV. I don't watch, you know, shows on cable. I just watch YouTube. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just finding out what is entertaining to you and why these people are so alluring to you and uh, trying to learn from that. Okay. And Iron Infidel today now is, is a lot of tactics and you said the fitness, right? So do you mind breaking down what it is that you're focusing on now, how you got to exactly, I guess, I don't want to say these two things, but kind of these two things that you're focusing on now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Fitness is what we sell. It's our product line, right? It's what we're experts in, I guess you could say. But I think I may have said this before. I don't like to stick just in one niche, right? I have so many hobbies and so many things that interest me and firearms and tactics and that type of thing. I, it interests me and I like to produce content about that. And I think there's a, a community that enjoys fitness content as well as firearms content. You know, there's an audience that's kind of all in the same. Um, and and self-defense in general and preparedness in general. So I try to have a variety on our channel. Our our channel is fitness, it's firearms, it's preparedness, it's self-defense. And I try and bring on people who are subject matter experts. I'm not a subject matter expert in all of these things, Um, but there are people out there who are, uh, for example, we bring on a a UFC fighter and, and grapple with him making a video, learning about, you know, weapon retention stuff, or if there's a firearms instructor will try and bring them on or, you know, a bench press record breaker. I'll try and bring him on and, and have him teach me how to bench press. So uh, it's really just bringing subject matter experts into one platform to hopefully share some experience with the viewer. Yeah. So are you trying to target a specific audience then, or is it, Hey, anybody that has any interest in any of these random, but related things come hang out. You know, it's, Anyone and everyone really, uh, but I, but I am a firm believer that most share the same interests. I think most people who are into firearms and tactics are probably into fitness mm-hmm. or at least a heavy portion of them. I am, uh, you know, I, I, I love channels that produce diverse content, you know, it, it keeps it from being boring. And, and what I want is our viewer to think, I have no idea what this guy is going to post this week, but it's going to be something good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's funny. Yeah. I was watching one of your videos, I think on Saturday morning and it was like a, a strength training workout or a conditioning workout. And I was like, Hey, there, when am I going to find myself in a firefight? Probably never, but you know what? I'd really like to know that I could make it from one tree to the next. If I'm chasing an elk or something, you know? <laughs> right. And they, they all kind of go, go together. And I think there are some people who fitness is it's under what's the word I'm looking for. It's underrated underrated in the firearms community. There are some out there yeah. that are doing it, you know, and the preparedness community. 
it's, it's easy to buy a firearm. It's easy to kind of go shoot on a flat range, but in a real world situation, and I'll just say, let's give an example. Let's say you're a concealed carry holder and an active killer starts popping off at Walmart and you have to run a hundred yards to get to that person. Your adrenaline is going through the roof. So you're having those uh, physical reactions as well. And then you have to draw your firearm and deliver precise shots at 25 yards. Can you do that? Well, if you're completely out of shape, maybe you can, but you've decreased the odds significantly. Or the same thing with a fight, you know, street fights that turn deadly. It happens all the time, especially police officers. Um, from what something turns into what is a grappling match and it turns deadly. So there's a lot of connection between the firearms community and the fitness community, and they should be put together more often. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to another guy who uh, is starting to do rough terrain courses. And I was like, mm. that's a great idea. Like, I mean, mm. to your point of heart rate, that sounds like miserable because, you know, I, you know, I've ran and shot before and I know that even running 20 yards from one stage to the next, you're like, man, a reticle's bouncing or whatever. I can't get on target. So, mm-hmm. all right. So you're running it, the iron infidel. Now, did you say part-time or running it full-time now and you're part-time in the reserve full-time, full-time with the business now and the part-time reserve with the police department. That's awesome. So do you plan or have hopes to convert it from just selling uh, fitness products to programming and training as well? Yeah. So we, we are, have been in connection with a lot of different like-minded people and like-minded brands. So we're developing a lot of relationships with people who are, you know, really good at what they do. So for example, hard to kill, we've been doing a lot of work with them and they make fitness programs. And I think we're going to be doing a collaboration program with them very, very soon. So we expect that to be out here shortly. It's probably going to be resistance bands focused because that's our primary selling product, but that's just the beginning. Um, I think we'll ultimately develop a, a, you know, a program line down the road and where, where our product line goes. Like I said, we stick in the fitness fitness thing, but who knows what five years looks like. One thing I would say is everything that I've done so far, especially particularly on social media, it's the complete opposite of my personality, even sitting here talking to you on a podcast. <laughs> Like the t- anybody who knows me would think, I can't believe that's Alex is doing that now because I'm, you know, I'm a reserved guy, but do things that get you out of your comfort zone and do it often. And I know that's kind of a cliche thing to say, but it's so important making yourself uncomfortable. It's so important. It's really the best, the best way to grow uh, as a person. It certainly helped me you know, throughout my law enforcement career, now into this, doing things that when I think to myself, I do not want to do that. I should probably go do that because it means I need to grow. (laughs) I need to grow, you know? So if you're, if you have reservations about doing something, just do it. You're going to fail at first. You know, you may think people are going to make fun of you. Maybe people will, but it doesn't matter because eventually you'll succeed. Yeah. That's funny. You say that. I remember when we first started you in jujitsu, I walked into the gym and I was like, I was like, like, fuck! like I'm super uncomfortable. It's been like 10 years since I've done any martial arts. And, you know, I think six or eight months later now it's like, all right, I like it. That's good. That's fine. I was uncomfortable for a little bit, but you know, I can have a, I can have a health conversation with somebody. Totally totally worth it. Just get rid of the fear of uh, embarrassing yourself. Completely get rid of that. Yeah. And it opens so many doors, you know? Yeah. That's something I've learned from talking with a lot of folks so far is, is you kind of just have to stop caring at some point and do your own thing, 
take input, healthy input. But at the end of the day, like, dude, you got to do whatever it is that's going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. Even if there's always going to, there will always be people who try and drag you down no matter what you're doing. So you might as well do it anyways. That's true. That's one question I forgot to ask you. Was there anybody throughout any of this was it, that was like, Alex, man, this is not you do something different. So it's funny. It's like, I know that that was probably going through a lot of people's minds that they were too nice to say it. Right. Um, <laughs> but you know, they, you know, everyone was pretty supportive of me. I, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of good people who want to help me in any way they can. So I didn't really have any negative feedback from people that I know, you know, directly, but I'm sure it crossed their mind, but you know, you got to learn, you got to fail and learn. I'm still doing every day. And, you know, we're not some huge anybody really. I'm still failing and learning every day. Yeah, I feel that me too. This podcast (laughs) has been a a lesson in humility and learning and well, credit cards, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, dude. This was, this was a good conversation. So thank you. No, absolutely. Like I said, the pleasure is mine. I, you know, I feel honored that you would even think of bringing me onto your channel and you got something great going here. So keep pushing forward and I'll keep listening because you got a good channel going, man. Thanks, man. Man, I loved this conversation. For those of you that can't tell, uh, I'm a big fan of Alex and really appreciate his time, knowledge, expertise, all the cool shit that he puts out and uh, really appreciate him sharing his story and how he got to where he is. Uh, Linked in the episode description will be his YouTube and Instagram handles. If you could all do me a favor, go follow him and uh, maybe leave a random comment on something you learned about him uh, on his channels. Uh, I'd love to get a text from him at some point being like, okay, I've learned enough about myself in these comments, knock it off. So if you could go annoy him and blow him up a little bit, uh, I'm sure he would appreciate that because I know I would. Beyond that, just a couple quick updates. Uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback uh, from folks that I've been interviewing, just kind of bouncing some ideas off of them, getting a lot of ideas from them on how to brand the show and uh, really connect with you all. So going forward, I'm going to do my best to uh, share something I love with you guys uh, every week. And that would be learning about something random, whether or not it has something to do with normal life or is just an absolute crock of shit. Uh, and sharing that with you. So um, I've been sourcing a little bit of uh, social media to see if I can't get some random topics to share with you all um, because I, I, I love learning and uh, I love being random. And, you know, I've got a bit of an obsessive personality, so I kind of dig into things a little bit more than I think your average average dude might. So I'm hoping that to uh, spend a little time sharing maybe my dark sense of humor, some of my interests, Um, some random thoughts with you guys so that you kind of understand where I'm coming from with the show and uh, maybe learn a little bit more of where uh, I want to take it and get some feedback from you guys. Um, But beyond that, uh, I'm going to link the Vanguard website in the show. Uh, We're going to roll a a new ad that I'm really excited here in a second, Uh, but we're going to link the website in the episode description. So that'll have, you know, any updates we've got, uh, some of the partners that we're going to be working with going forward, um, all of the shop links and uh, any new episodes that I would really love for you guys to share and spread to all of the world. So if you guys don't mind, uh, before we roll the ads, like, subscribe, review, share, comment, all of the things so that we can grow this show and uh, make some positive impacts. Thanks, y'all. Mountain Primal Fuel Sticks are perfect for folks like you and I, constantly busy, stuck on the road, sitting at a desk between job sites, crushing Excel spreadsheets, or if you're one of the lucky ones, headed to the range or a hunting trip. 
They are the perfect size to keep a couple in a pack or if you've got a wife that gets hangry to toss her way. Admittedly, when my wife gets hangry, it's an all-hands-on-deck situation, so please use these to your advantage. They are 100% Highland Cow with zero hormones and zero antibiotics straight out of Colorado. Use code VANGUARD to get 15% off at mountainprimal.com. 